You're listening to the Casimir Engine. Ka-ka-ka, hasn't that been done to death? Isn't that so 990s? You think so? It's the Casimir Engine. It's not Ka-ka-ka. You're listening to the Casimir Engine. Um, it's the Casimir Engine Show podcast, and I'm doing my very, very first OB outside broadcast. For those who are not in the trade, it stands for outside broadcast. So, where are you, Casimir? Well, I'm on the island of or the islands of Orkney. I'm on my jolly holidays. And it might be a bit breezy, but you might be able to hear all the different types of birds that are... uh, We're in the middle of nowhere. It's, like, amazing. And the sun's shining, but it is a bit breezy. It is slightly breezy. So what made you go here, then, Cass? Mrs. Engine. That's who. Mrs. Engine. She'd found this place and said it was a get-away-from-it-all kind of holiday where we can all... Like relax and and get our batteries um, recharged. And do you know what? It really is. I'm walking along a lane at the moment. It's sunshiny. This is the only problem, right? The moon's coming up. It's quarter to eleven at night, and the sun's still out, which is a bit freaky. It's a bit like land of the midnight sun um, up here. Um, but it is absolutely glorious. But we're in a we're in a place. It used to be a chapel, which is a bit spooky when I first saw it. But it's not too bad. Um, uh, and there's just nothing. There's absolutely nothing. Listen to this, Kaz. You see, nobody. You can do anything. Nobody can hear me. The only trouble is when I come to a place like this or I come on my holidays, I always end up facing my nemesis. And my nemesis is smeary towels. Yeah, I hate it when you get a towel that doesn't dry you. All it does is just smear all the water. When you're having a shower, after you've had a shower, and you get your towel out, I like one that's going to rub you down, dry you off, give you, you know, give you a nice glow when you get out of the shower and all that kind of thing. No, not these. Smears all the water all over you. It's horrible. And that is my biggest, biggest fear. Getting somewhere that's got smeary towels. Anyway, what you been doing for the podcast, Kaz? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I had a chat with John Izzard. If life was not bad enough, Kaz is back. Every Monday from 7.30. I'm John Izzard, and you're listening to the Casimir Engine Show. Oh, God, can I do that again? Yeah, yeah, probably keep going. Okay, (laughs) yeah. Sorry. I'm John Izzard, and you're listening to the Casimir Engines show. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is longer than the show. I'm leaving all this in. This is yeah, gold. No, no, this no, is no, gold. Give, give me 20 seconds. Hang on. <laughs> Are you changing your teeth? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. I, here we go. Hang on a bit. Okay. Okay, three, two, one. I'm Johnny Zard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord, this is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Very much, John. We, we got there anyway. Thanks very much for joining us on the Casimir Engine Show podcast. Uh, we're starting the show with the question that gets West. We, oh, I can't say it now. The question that gets asked every week John Izzard, what's your favorite color of jelly? Red has to be. There you go. <laughs> no so we've got two red and then one really weird lime and banana. Yeah, I, 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 I heard that one. Yeah, um, yeah. It's the Americans coming over with their nylons and all that kind of thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never seen like I don't think they have um, lime jelly in Aldi. But, um, <laughs> but um, red, although rather spuriously, it, have you noticed it always says strawberry? Yeah. On on, on the um, on the wrapper, yeah. and when you. Um, when you, it is to me the only flavour jelly. It's the only option is the red. But you never get the when you when you when you finally when it finally sets when it eventually sets whenever it is twelve hours twenty four hours yeah. later. Um, you never get that kind of flavour. Uh, 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 you never get that feeling of oh this is freshly picked strawberries. No. You know. No, it is just red flavour. It is just. But I've got to say, in Eric Down's um, defence, yeah, um, with his bananas and and uh, lime jelly, yeah. um, my mother used to often try and ply us with tin mandarin oranges in orange jelly. Doubling up on the orange thing. Exactly, double orange is like it was the original double denim. with your pineapple chat that's just not <laughs> right no, you and eric are right there you're on the wall you're on the you're on row zz on the excel spreadsheet with your extreme jelly fruit combos you know i'm not advocating the jelly fruit thing i'm a i'm, I'm, a, I'm a red through and through although that said if there's trifle on the menu where you can kind of stick a bit of fruit stick a bit of sponge stick a bit of custard and cream in it I'm there. You know. oh, <laughs> You've I'm really there. pushed the boat out on this one. Really? Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Pushing the envelope on the, uh, on the jelly feature here. <laughs> <laughs> But your first job was in a record shop. My first job was just a Saturday job. Yeah. Was in a record shop. Yeah. I was fifteen at the time. And whereabouts? Um, uh, yeah. 
friend at work. Uh, sorry, school, school, school. I was at work and school. Oh, actually, I wasn't. Uh, at the end of, you know, nearly 60. Yeah. But um, uh, this lad joined the school, my school class, um, called David Fisher, and his dad owned a record shop on uh, Erdington High Street in Birmingham. And um, I think within the first couple of weeks, um, I, I befriended him kind of straight away, and um, very quickly he said, you know, they were looking for uh, part-time staff for a Saturday, and would I be interested? And I jumped at it. And, Not surprised. Um, you know, I worked at it. For, I worked there for about a year, and um, it, even though it was just on Saturdays, um, it was the best job I ever had. And if ever I look back um, uh, at a job that I've done in the past with kind of some sense of nostalgia and some sense of longing to do that again, it would be that job. It was fantastic. A shop called the Music Box in Erdington. And uh, I loved every second of it. And, um, yeah, it was a dream job, even though it was Saturdays and there wasn't, wasn't much pressure, but I uh, loved it. It, yeah. was so, it would have been so cool working in a record shop. I've never done it. I've never done it, so I don't know. But Yeah, yeah. Was it, yeah, a, I mean, I, was it, it like it, a babe magnet? Fine, but I guess it was, really, yeah. Was um, it a babe uh, magnet no. or...? What's that, sorry? Was it a babe magnet? Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> this is Erdington, Birmingham, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 year are we what year are I, I we talking most of the girls used to buy the reggae records i seem to remember kind yeah. of uh, was it john hawks is that right um and, and I, I a lot of the girls used to buy reggae stuff and I, I was never kind of into that kind of scene at the time i was kind of sweet and dare i say mud and uh, my more cred side was sparks and queen yeah um i was a bit of a, a pop tart i guess um but um, I didn't think of it in those terms, but it, it could have been. If I'd have stayed there full time, maybe the, maybe I could have been onto something. But uh, I was too young and uh, not ready for that quite yet. Well, as I was saying, I've got the. I've managed to persuade Mrs. Engine to let um, me get my records out of um, out of storage, it's and tough. and in amongst this lot, I've got Mud Rock, and it's signed by the band. Yeah. Yeah, signed by the band on the front cover. Signed by the band. Yeah, signed. Yeah, and, and they opened. Yeah. yeah, they they opened a freezer centre in Sandy Acre in Nottinghamshire. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was called Goodwins, and I went to school with Tracy Goodwin, who was the the the, the family of the, the of... daughter of the dad who, who who set up the shop. Exactly. Well, they so always it... had a, always had a blue nose because it was cold in their house because they lived yeah, above I the freezer. Yeah, yeah, lived above the freezer centre. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, I met Mud. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. yeah. Wow. I mean, that's real John Shuttleworth stuff, isn't it? With um, didn't he go to some freezer centre or something to open a, a thing in one of the? He did a show. I can't remember. He did a comedy thing about touring the Peak District or something. He did Matlock Freezer Centre on First Parade. In this sketch or something. Yeah, yeah. He, he played the Freezer Centre on First Parade in Matlock. Exactly that. Exactly. That. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it, I think it's on YouTube. I think you can find it, it on yeah, it. yeah. And yeah. that, yeah, there you go. You, you live the real story, not... <laughs> you know. I, I was very young. I really was very, very young, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. So are you watching the World Cup? Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm trying to watch as many matches as I can, yeah, I am. I'm one of these, um, I'm one of these 
fans that real football fans probably hate that I, I love the big events, you know. Um, I love the Euros, I love the World Cup and various kind of cup finals and things, but I don't know a thing about ordinary everyday football, you know. I couldn't tell you who plays for each team. I couldn't even tell you which teams are in the Premier League or, you know, know much about... I know nothing about nothing about football, but when it comes to the big events like this, all of a sudden I'm, I'm the expert again and I'm posting on Facebook and I know every intricacy and every, you know, bad decision that's made and everything that goes right or wrong for England. And Yeah, I'm one of these really annoying non-fans. So did you watch it? I take it you watched it last night. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, what did you think? Well, um, I think that as a, a football fan, and I'm the same as you, I mean, I've followed Derby County for all of my life. Yeah. Who do, who do you support? Who did you support as a child? I don't really have a team, to be honest. Um, when I was a kid at school, uh, it was West Ham, and that was because um, when I first got into football, I guess I was fairly late, I was about 10, 11, um, and I got into the 1970 World Cup. That was the thing that kind of switched me on to football. And the big hero of the day was, was Bobby Moore. Yeah. So I supported West Ham as, as a result of that. But I don't really follow them anymore. Although, a few years ago, I decided, again, as a nostalgic thing, that I would buy a, um, an old scarf. Uh, and I bought a West Ham scarf. So I have that. Okay. Um, I don't really support anyone. I don't, I, I don't look up on a Saturday or whenever. When do they play football these days? Is it, is it Saturday? Every day. Know. It's every day of the week, isn't it? Every day of the week, yeah. yeah. I look to see how my team did because I don't have a team. And um, I think my local team now, Swansea, I don't think they're doing very well. I think they went down this year. Yeah. So I can't support them. Just, yeah, a bunch of losers. Um, but uh, yeah, but I've got to say they were a bit of a, um, aren't they a bit of a kind of a a, a cool side? Man, uh, West Ham would be the cool side in the in the sixties and seventies, wouldn't they? Martin Peters, Bobby Absolutely, Moore, yeah. Jeff uh, Hurst. Yeah, uh, yeah, very cool. And, and you know what I liked about West Ham as well. This is really weird, esoteric. I don't know if you remember this, but the goals they had. Not, I don't mean goals as in scoring goals. I mean actual. Goal posts. Yeah. They were kind of not like anybody else's. Everybody else's goals were kind of deep and... Crisp and even. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> and West Ham goals, I guess it was something to do with the layout of the pitch and the distance of the um, touchline to where the fans were. Um, but the, the, the West Ham goals were always really kind of there wasn't much between the goalie and the back netting, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and they were always really kind of slim goals. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was a Subutio slim goal that you could buy. That, <laughs> you know. Um, and that was kind of like a, an architectural kind of feature of West Ham that um, I think even Kevin McLeod didn't cotton on to, didn't, didn't grasp that one. Unbelievable. I was... Um, yeah, there's a lot of depth to being a West Ham supporter in the 1970s. So, did you have a West Ham Sabutio team? You've just mentioned Sabutio, did you? Probably did, but you know the problem with West Ham team. Sorry, with Sabutio teams is you don't actually buy a West Ham team, do you? You, you buy a, a team number 46 or whatever it was, and it's like, and it says in the catalogue West Ham, Burnley, um, <laughs> Aston Villa. You know, and. Um, 
I just thought of the other team that play in claret and blue. And is I it, is it, is it Aston Villa? Aston Villa, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem. Uh, you didn't kind of get a dedicated West Ham team. No. But, um, yeah, I would have done. I would have had a West Ham team. Absolutely, for sure. You always tried to get Queens Park Rangers. I always, out of all the uh, out of all the kits, I always fancied Queens Park Rangers kit. Yeah, with the, the, the blue and white stripes. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, talking about. Um, football kits and Sabutio teams and stuff like that. Yeah. How old is too old for a football shirt? Um, I would say probably never. I think I, 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 I started running to try to kind of get fit, keep fit. Yeah. And I regularly run in a football shirt and I'm pretty old. <laughs> okay. Is it a West Ham shirt? No, it's not actually. It's, I, I've got two football shirts. I've got a, I've got a genuine um, Swedish shirt, Sweden team shirt. What the, the national team? The national team. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't ask. Don't ask. But I've got a, a genuine Sweden shirt, and I've got a kind of mock Netherlands shirt, uh, which is a kind of Adidas nod to the official team shirt, but probably because of licensing reasons maybe nike made it or something it's not the real shirt so i've got a kind of adidas dutch shirt as well a, a national um, squad shirt a national squad shirt. yeah yeah but, but we can't talk about holland cause, or netherlands because they they didn't get into the final of the shirt yeah, no, certainly didn't no um now i'm gonna argue with you there because okay. i think and this is only my personal opinion okay. i'm i'm thinking Teenage, maybe early twenties, is enough for a football shirt. It, but you're wearing it for for activity, so I suppose they're going to be they're going to be good for kind of sweating and all that kind. Of, I'm assuming they're going to be that for uh, for footballers. So um, if you're doing an activity, it's not too bad. I'm talking about walking around Swansea Shopping Centre or Meadow Hall for us. Oh, that that's verboten. Um... Absolutely. No. Um, yeah, wearing a football shirt to go to Ask Pizza or or TGI Fridays or something is absolutely not on. Yeah. I mean, they are sports mad here in South Wales. I mean, they, they just live for sport and, you know, um, kids go around in almost suit jackets and tracksuit bottoms. It's crazy here, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I really, one thing I really kind of hate is wearing sports kit when it's not for doing sport. And you know what? I'm such a stickler in terms of wearing stuff that that would go as far as trainers for me. No I, way. Yeah, I wouldn't even wear a pair of trainers with jeans or something. If you're going to wear sports stuff, play sport, for goodness sake, you know. Don't... Um, don't pretend you're playing sport. Hey, yeah. hey, hey! This is about this is all. This is my show, right? Yeah. And I'm doing the right. You can't wear football shirts, but I wear trainers. And now you're pointing the finger straight back at me, good self. Just because you've got a Sweden shirt, right? You're pointing the, the trainer finger straight back at the Casimir engine. <laughs> 
not not happy. Let's get back to the World Cup. Okay. Uh, we're on we're on thin ice there. This was this partnership was breaking up almost straight away. But um, no, I went on to uh, Facebook after the game, probably a little bit during the game and a bit after the game, and yeah. I think that's a platform to criticise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know if you. If you've watched the game, I think you can. But I just don't know one of the players. No, no, me. Um, I don't think I could probably name six without kind of really thinking about it. I've no idea who the goalkeeper is. No, no, me. And, and in the day, back yeah. in the day, you got Shearer, Lineker, Gazza, yeah. All yeah. that kind of thing. They were part of the... Yeah, and when you saw the names, they would kind of light you up a little bit, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, they know? gave you confidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they drank. And they what? And they had a drink as well. They had a pint and stuff like that. I don't think any of this lot would have a pint after the after the game. No, no. I think they're all protein shakes and stuff like that. I mean, it's yeah. all that romance of, of, of yesteryear. I think it's it's disappeared. Two, we don't get any kind of merchandise. I've not seen any World Cup merchandise other than that tap that they have in kind of Sainsbury's. Really? With that, that's, that's interesting because um, I thought that was just kind of Welsh thing. I mean, there was a story the other day that a Welsh Asda, a Welsh branch of Asda apparently stocks some England stuff and they had so many complaints from locals, they ended up not, they ended up kind of removing the range from the store. No. Which I really miserable. And I thought that was a kind of Welsh thing just because Wales weren't in the tournament and they kind of, you know, there was such rivalry against England and, I mean, so much for United Kingdom and, and that kind of thing. But um, um, I thought that was a local thing, but really that's going on in England as well. No, I just right. don't, I don't see things. I mean, you used to get, like, the coin. I don't know whether when you were as, as, a, as yeah, a child. I did, yeah, I, co I, I collected the coins in 70, 74, that kind of time. Yeah. yeah. The SO coins. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Paul Reaney. People yeah, like yeah. that. It was always the difficult one to get, and you got the coin. Pulled you put it hard and you'd stick them on or stick them Exactly. In. None of that anymore. No, no, you're right. It is just, you know, you can buy the Panini book, and that, that's all there is, I think. Well, somebody told me to finish a Panini book is about 700 quid. That's incredible. Is that not just ridiculous, isn't it? So, I mean, we've got so many unfinished Panini annual things that it's it's ridiculous. I'd hate to think, I suppose if we put them all together, we might have one annual, you know, one completed annual. But, yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous kind of money. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's just cynical, really, isn't it? So we had um, Richie on last week, and yeah, he, was, he was saying Brazil would probably win the tournament. Who Who are you going with? I've got to go for Iceland, I think. Really? No, actually. I'd love, I'd love, them, to be, I'd love them to do well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, 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 I, I think some of, the team, some of the big teams didn't start off too well, did they, like France or Germany? No. Uh, but I think they will get better. And I think there's a bit of kind of... Um, you're going to get upset in the World Cup and you're going to get a lot of those upsets in, uh, and, and a lot of those kind of messy games right up front I think when kind of nerves come into play and um, um, I think some of the big teams will come into their you know some of the teams that have traditionally done well like France and Germany and Brazil will really 
come into their own and um, and start to play. I, I, I think there were a point where Brazil weren't even playing that well, were they? No, it didn't. It, it, it didn't. It were, again, not very inspiring, like the the days of um, old. And they started off well for the first ten minutes. I even thought, like, posting on Facebook, like uh, I, I, I nearly posted. Yeah, at last the World Cup was. You know, it was about you know, I don't know four or five games in when when Brazil came on the TV and. I thought about posting, oh, at last the World Cup started sort of thing, and then I think after 10 minutes, it was kind of, I'm glad I didn't post that because they kind of went a bit crap. Yeah. So, um, um, I think some of these teams will come through, um, and Rich is probably right. I had a funny joke today. Um, I was watching uh, Perry Christian on the right stuff, and he said that, uh, he said that, um, they had um, Tony Hadley from Spandau Valley on the panel, and he said he fancied England. And he said you can. And, and Terry Christian said, if you fancy England, he said one of the betting shots, Paddy Power or somebody. He said they're doing 21, 20 to one on England winning at the moment. He said that's great odds. He said that means if you put 20 quid on England winning now, you're going to lose 20 quid. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, like, I do like ter Terry Christian's hot career started at Radio Derby. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, really? started at Radio Derby. did an evening show on Radio Derby, yeah. Many, yeah, many moons ago. I remember word, but oh, you, you, you go back before that, yeah? Yeah, yeah, many moons ago. I can't remember, I can't remember listening to him, but um, yeah. Yeah. It, was, it would have been an evening. I'd have been listening to Radio 1 or something like that in those yeah. days, I suppose. Yeah. Would have been Mike Reed and then uh, John Peel in the evening. So yeah, okay, um, very entertaining guy. Anyway, uh, just finishing off with the football. Then um, oh. I was reading the other day. It was something that came up on 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 Facebook or on Google or whatever it might have been, and it was uh, a picture of Peter Lorimer. And I always remember he could kick a football seventy miles an hour. That was always the big thing. Peter Lorimer can kick a you know can take a penalty seventy miles an hour. So yeah. who was your favourite football? You mentioned Bobby Moore and and that. But who was your favourite footballer? Yeah, it, it, it would have been Bobby Moore. Really, the number six shirt. Yeah. Yeah. De 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 definitely Bobby Moore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not known. Obviously, he wasn't a forward, a solid defender. Yeah. But um, yeah, Bobby Moore. I'd go with Bruce Rioch. Aston Villa. Well, he, but you, 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 I tell you, you do know your football then, because yeah, he played for Aston Villa, Everton, <laughs> and Derby bit. County. Uh, I would have seen him a few times as well. But you know, I lived in Birmingham. Yeah. I was born and raised in Brum, uh, but I was never. I never had a loyalty. And when I kind of got into football in my kind of early teens, I was, and I started to go to football matches. I mostly went to reserve matches because it was cheaper. Yeah. And I was into football. I couldn't care less that it wasn't the main team. It was just great to be at the, at the ground. And I would equally go to Blues or Villa. It didn't matter to me. I didn't have a team or even West Brom. You know, and I would... I would um, rotate on Saturdays and I would go to one day it would be Villa Park and the next week it would be St Andrews um, and the next week it would be um, uh, whatever the name of the baggy stadium is which I can't remember uh, Haw is it the Hawthorns the Hawthorns yeah that's it yeah in West Bromwich itself yeah. and, and I know this isn't a football pod podcast can't even yep. say it now but um, the Hawthorns believe yep. it or not is the highest football ground in England 
Okay, yeah. The first game I ever saw was at the Hawthorns, but I didn't know that. The highest and the first football game you've ever seen in England. As in terms of the... Altitude, which I can't believe. You'd think it'd be something like Rochdale or something like that. Well, wouldn't you? Or somewhere Berwick-on-Tweed or something like that. Yeah, yeah. but no, no. At altitude, the Hawthorns' highest ground in Britain. That's something they've won. Football. <laughs> <laughs> Football chat with uh, Kaz and John. So, you don't like video games? Not a lot, no. You do a bit of running? A bit, yeah, to try to stay fit, yeah. But your real passion, vinyl? Um, yeah, um, my, my passive passion, if you like. My active passion would be actually making the music. Yeah. Um, although I've had a little bit of a hiatus of the last couple of years, I guess. But... Um, so, yeah, if my active passion is making the music, my passive passion is listening to it. And, uh, yeah, and I've been doing rather a lot of that, and particularly on the vinyl format, yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. Are you from a musical family? If you just, on your, on your um, uh, active, you know, making your own music, are you from a musical family, or...? Yeah, my dad, um, my dad played in brass bands, um, and to quite a high level, actually. Um, and he played the cornet. Um, so my mum, my mum's side, not particularly, but my dad's side, yeah. My, my brother was sent for, uh, when I was kind of a lad, I remember, you know, both at home, and my brother was sent for piano lessons, and I, I always resented that a little bit. I thought, how did, how did he get piano lessons? And uh, I didn't, but I think at 17, I decided to go to night school and... Um, learned the guitar I, was, I guess i was fairly late to it really and uh, so i went to this night school in sheldon in birmingham and um the guy there who did the lessons was a real folky so we would play all these songs by don mclean and paul simon and stuff which were good songs and i learned those off by heart and um you know picked up chords and basic finger picking and uh, and carried on from that could you read uh, music? I can read music because I, you know, that goes back to, you know, age seven at school, learning recorder, and later on I took up the cello at senior school. So, yeah, I can read music, actually, and it comes in handy from time to time. Hang yeah. on a minute. We've got guitar. Yeah. Cello. Yeah. Piano. Um, yeah, I, I kind of picked up the piano. I'm, you know, my problem is I'm, I can play quite a few instruments, but I'm kind of master at none. And I wish in a way I just kind of, I don't know, stayed with the cello or learned the flute or something and just become an absolute master of that instrument. And I'm a dabbler in everything, which kind of gets me by when I'm kind of recording my own stuff. Because uh, I don't think people judge you too harshly and what I can play is kind of passable. But I'd love really to be able to master a single instrument and I've never done that. And... Um, I think that's one regret. Maybe yeah. not too. Late, but yeah. Um, so you you, you learned guitar at uh, seventeen, you said. Yeah, 
yeah, that's right. After school, but at night school. Yeah. What was your first band? Uh, my first band was never actually a band. Um, when I was at school, um, I formed a theoretical band with a bunch of mates. Right. And I can't even remember what instrument I had. I was probably the guitarist, but may not have been. I may have been the singer or something. Uh, and I don't remember what we were called. And I remember forming this band, and we were deadly serious about it. We had no instruments. None of us could play. I remember one of my friends, a guy called Ian Hinckley, was really into science. So he was naturally the synth player. Yeah. And we were deadly serious about being in this band. I mean, we absolutely walked the walk and talked the talk. We never had a single rehearsal. We didn't own an instrument. We never wrote a song, and I can't remember what we were called. But that was my first band when I was about 14, 15. But what I did do was I used to design record labels, and I would, I, and, and I would kind of pretend we had these records. And it was all a bit naive and a bit childish. But I would kind of, you know, uh, I would copy labels like, you know, I don't know, Queen Sheer Heart Attack or Sparks. Sparks propaganda or something, and I but they would be our band, whatever we were called, with our all right of the day. I'm still doing that, you know. <laughs> I'm still doing that. And <laughs> um, what was your first most your, or your first serious band then that you were in that you can uh, remember the name of? First band that I recorded a demo with uh, were called VHF, uh, and the name was I think inspired by Bill Nelson, and he had a song called UHF. So we called ourselves VHF, um, but we didn't last long. And I kind of stumbled along from kind of band to band to band to band. Um, usually the same set of mates, but we would maybe, I don't know, lose a drummer or lose a bass player. And yeah. then we decided it was time for a new name. Until in the end, uh, and this is the only time I'll quote Brian Adams ever in a live interview, uh, Jimmy quit, Jody got married. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up running home rates and, uh, and solo. And I recorded a mini album on my own um, without the security of a band for once. Uh, and the mini album was called Her Ghost in My Room. And uh, a lot of people kind of liked it, so I kind of carried on on my own from there. All right. And what's, yeah. your, what's your biggest success to date, do you think? Biggest? was probably um i did an album when i moved to france it was a massive move musically and this is the kind of serious bit i've been kind of um a bit flippant until now but when i back in 2006 we decided we'd move from the uk to france and it was a massive life experiment for me because i was absolutely 100 percent committed to the arts and i had a real passion it was almost my religion that art could change the world. Yeah. And I thought, if art can change the world, what can I do if I throw myself 100% into art? Not as a for-profit thing. Maybe there's a point of kind of, you know, using your skills to pay the bills, that, that, that kind of thing, and getting by. But I'll get by whichever way it takes. I'll do odd jobs, which is, in fact, what I ended up doing. I'll do odd jobs. I'll do what it takes, but not driven by commercialism, to so throw myself 100% into art what will become of it so we actually sold the family home in the uk moved to france with some of the money from the home i set up a studio there in, on fleur in normandy beautiful part of the world 
And I spent the first four years there recording an album called um, I Would Throw My Arms Around You, which was a comment on embracing a, a, a new culture. Yeah. And um, even though commercially it was an abject failure, in terms of, I think, artistry and what I achieved from that, and I think people getting behind me in terms of valuing and appreciating what I'd done, uh, I think it was quite a success. And I think it, it, it meant something to those who heard it. The problem was not a lot of people heard it. And I'm a pretty crap promoter, to be honest. And uh, I still think it's a good album that's got a lot to say for itself. Um, it's I got followed... a, it, There's so much music out there. I mean, there's tons and tons of it out there. Yeah. Um, even on the podcast, we're not allowed to play sign bands or anything like that. No, um, PRS and all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, you go on to um, YouTube and they have a royalty-free, free mm. music. So this is all you've got to do on certain um, certain uh, tracks. You have to give the person um, a mention on the on the website or wherever you use it. You have to give them. You have to post in a you know a bit of text. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. in general, ninety percent of the stuff would be just use it and do whatever you want with it. Yeah, and sure. it's really good stuff. I mean, there is some some really good stuff on there. So yeah. if you've got um, if you've got that, how yeah. difficult is it to do all that work and then try and promote an album from somebody and not meaning to sound you know rude or anything? But nobody's heard of Johnny's art. No, absolutely. No, no. So where would you where would you even start? Well, that's the problem. I mean, my timing was awful really i mean what i did was absolutely from pure passion and 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 and, and you know i put so much blood sweat and tears into into making that album and the follow-up which is called monte verita but my timing in some sense and this isn't kind of woe is me feeling sorry for myself it's it, it's just actual couldn't be worse because the problem is you could have somebody you know making an album with a few clicks on, on, on GarageBand using kind of all sorts of, you know, inbuilt sounds and samples and stuff like that. And it's going, you know, one of the things I'm a real believer in, is Eric Sarti um, said once that um, he never wrote a note that he didn't believe in. And I think there was so much kind of thought and passion and internal kind of dialogue that went into every single note phrase interval harmony that i put into those songs that went onto those albums and yet somebody can also equally take um you know found samples that you that you get pre-packaged into something like garage band or fruity loops or something and, and make something sound half decent and the casual listener isn't going to take the time to to discern the difference. Yeah. And 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 th and that's the problem. And that's what I was up against. And as I said, I, I, I'm not I'm not kind of debasing my own talents here and selling myself. But I really am a lousy salesperson. And but I think it, yeah, if it's not a natural thing, and, and usually art, artistic artistic people usually aren't very good at doing that kind of thing. You have to have the manager, you have to have the promoter, you have to have all yeah. those things in place, don't you? I suppose. Yeah. and that's money. Yeah, I, it's money. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think I think absolutely all 
that. And I think that's probably 80% of it. And I think the other 20% for the 80, 20 year old is that artistic people by nature tend to be sensitive souls. And I think we're kind of a little bit, if I'm honest, afraid of what's going to come back to you. And I think we're a little bit afraid of the kind of reaction because let's be honest, the, the internet can be kind of harsh. World it does. Somebody can post something that's absolutely inspiring, absolutely wonderful on YouTube. On YouTube, and the first few comments are like, "This is shit" or "This is yeah. crap," and yeah. and you just kind of are totally dismayed at the world we live in when you when you read those comments. And people can be so heartless and so cruel. And you think, "Hang on a minute, I kind of want to kind of hold back from that." So you kind of try to think you're placing yourself a little bit more intelligently, a little bit more you know, with a little bit more kind of, you know, cunning or depth, uh, depth or, or, or whatever. And you're not, you're really just, you know, being a coward. And because you're a kind of sensitive artist, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of, it rubs against the kind of tough marketeer that you have to be yeah. to, uh, to push your, your own stuff in today's world. The, word, the thing is, I think you need the internet to get your music out there. But unfortunately, yeah. the internet is a massive buffer between somebody who can make real-time comments about your work, yeah. but they're never, ever going to come into contact with you. So they can say whatever they want, mm. you know, whether it's good, yeah. bad, or bloody yeah, awful. Just lazy, casual criticism. Yeah, yeah. and they're never, ever going to... They never have to face you. Never I, have to face I, you. I, I detest that. It's... A, it's the internet equivalent of somebody who casually just beats you in the car because they're yeah. not reading the situation properly. Yeah. That kind of thing, yeah. a bit of a theory though okay. uh, just talking about y your music and then kind of touching on to um your passive hobby the the vinyl side okay i've noticed since i was lucky enough to come across an absolutely gorgeous um record player in a second hand shop so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's brilliant i love it to bits um uh, and yeah. but i have noticed that since i've um had the vinyl back out again I'll listen to a whole album. Yeah. Rather than on Spotify, I'll listen to like a minute, if that, yeah. and then I'll skip on again. And I just that's... wonder if the way to the way to get people to listen to music again, I suppose if I'd got, and I've got your albums, but um, if I'd got your albums on vinyl, I know. maybe you'd just listen to it just that bit more. You've touched a point. Is it an investment? Is is it the investment in the physical object? That would be the thing that is stopping me at the moment. I mean, to actually have a, an album pressed is is a lot of money. Uh, it's a lot a... cheaper than I thought. I've got to say, I was looking at it um, uh, a while ago, and yeah. it, it 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 can be. I mean, it is, it's it's affordable if you've got that kind of money to to spare. Yeah. But you can do small runs of, I don't know, something like, I don't know, 100 albums or something like that. And it's, okay, it's a lot of money for me, but some people would think 
maybe like 500 quid or whatever isn't yeah and i suppose you've only got to sell them you've got to make sure that you can get rid of them you've got an outlet for them that, that's i mean that that's certainly cheaper than the kind of figures i had in mind i was kind of thinking 1200 even 1800 quid for you know an album with a a, a color sleeve and uh, um i mean not even a gatefold um that kind of thing so if they've come to, if, if it's come down to those sort of prices it, it, it makes it kind of um achievable uh but you're absolutely right having that kind of tangible um i hate to use the word product but um kind of artifact in your hand i mean the one thing that people don't talk about very much uh, there's a lot of kind of almost childish debate about what sounds better uh, record or cd um and i think the one thing people miss in all of that is there is a kind of there's a social aspect to taking a record out of its sleeve, out of its inner sleeve, looking up the right side, putting it on the turntable, moving the arm, you know, dropping the, the stylus onto the record. And it's a kind of, it's almost a social ritual, uh, which, you know, I, I was at a party I don't get to many parties these days, but uh, a rare event. I got invited to a party a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, Dave, somebody spent, um, I think it was about 45 minutes, and I'm not exaggerating, trying to get their phone connected via Bluetooth to this speaker, getting incredibly irritated because they thought somebody in the room had inadvertently paired their device <laughs> with, with their precious Bluetooth speaker, which I don't think had happened at all. And it was this embarrassing 45 minutes trying to get some music on. And, you know, by the time the music came on, the moment was totally spoiled anyway. And I think everybody was rolling their eyes. And really, trust me, it wasn't worth waiting for. But kind of the, the, the social aspect of, 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 you know, the social ritual of putting a, you know, taking a record out and putting it on is something that a lot of people miss. And when people say, oh, you know, CDs are better than records, the records are better than vinyl. Okay, there's, 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 you, you, could, you could argue pros and cons for, for either, but you can't place that. You, um, you can't beat that with a record for me. It's, no. um, you know, it really is. It's a beautiful thing. Put just, just, just the ritual of putting a record on. I think also. I think in that kind of communal um, environment, um, yeah. I, I missed. I've asked many, many times. Jukeboxes. Um, yeah. That was a, another experience where I can remember we went to. We went on our first um, holiday abroad. Yeah. And I'd be probably seventeen. Yeah. And um, we went to Malta. Yeah, and they had a a, a a jukebox in this bar that we had a like an apartment thing above, yeah. and um and they only had Lido Shuffle, <laughs> was the non Maltese track on, and it, we played it to absolute bits. If you're gonna have just one track, that is the one. To have. It's a belter, isn't it? Right it is on. a good good track, but um but yeah, and I think it was that thing about looking down the list of tracks that are available, list of records that are available pressing in the number and the letter and then watching it actually drop onto the onto the turntable and yeah. it, i think it's that it's that physical contact as well as you know just being a, rather than just side swiping across spotify or oh, what have we got oh yeah let's play a bit of no let's play that and just yeah. not listening to the music 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more disheartening than when you, um, you know, occasionally I'll look at my stats on on, on Spotify or or CD Baby who distribute the albums and things online, you know, distribute it to iTunes and Amazon and whatever. And I'll look at the stats and you see that somebody's played, um, it, it, it quantifies the stats in three. I think it's like, uh, a partial play, which is uh, well, they call it skip actually, which is like the first ten seconds of a song, and then there's a partial play that they'll play up to ninety percent of it, and then there's a full play that they'll they'll play it right to the end, and you end up so, and you find out that somebody somewhere has played ten of your tracks, but they've only but they're all they're all coded red, and it means they've only played ten percent of all of them, yeah. and you think that is totally disheartening, and then I think hang on a minute, I've probably done that too the same day with artists I like. And and, and it is this, yeah, digital kind of by its own nature, it kind of lends to, you know, snacking on music. And it's not good for music. It's not good for, you know, I don't know. Um, Well, it it, it makes you wonder that, you know, the three minute song... Yeah. Uh, was based on the single. So yeah. the, the piece of vinyl, you could only get three minutes of music on it. Maybe now, the way that we're going with online and streaming, maybe music will become shorter and shorter. Ten seconds. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, if somebody on a new read was alive today, you'd probably do an album of songs. <laughs> yeah. Seconds each. Yeah. yeah you, you're onto something here, Dave. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd still struggle getting a 10 second track out that was any good so i probably won't be, <laughs> won't be any good at that um yeah. i'm going to chuck a few quick ones at you oh, yeah um favorite sandwich crisp combo it's, i'm only saying this because i'm on a diet and i'm absolute i could murder a bag of crisps i um, don't know can i tell you I, I was in the co-op the other day and i just i don't eat many crisps but i just really fan- for a rare change i fancied some crisps and they had in their kind of sales section they had behind the counter they had this kind of multi-pack of crisps for a quid yeah and i bought this pack and i said to Isabel, i said i've got i've bought some crisps for a change and we opened the packet and i couldn't believe it not only were these packets tiny they were kind of smaller than kind of you know these little packets you get pork scratchings in yeah they were kind of smaller than those even though you were led to believe by the sound of by the size yeah. of the outer packet that you were getting something gargantuan. Um, and, it, and then, when you took out the tiny packets, there was about a third of that tiny packet was kind of crisps, and the rest of it was nothingness. It's anyway, called, it's called, is it not called transport space? Is that what they call it? Yeah, in, so it don't get damaged when they're shifting oh, it around in boxes and stuff like that. It's all for us. Yeah. I love it. It's for the benefit um, of you. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, my, my point is, so, so we were kind of peeved by the, the kind of feeling of being ripped off by this kind of multi-pack of crisps. So I started to have a look at the, I started to read, you know, the information on the back where it tells you kind of what's in them and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So I started to read that. And what was kind of interesting, this is where I'm going here, it's actually not a rant about crisp manufacturers, although I've kind of made it one. Where I'm going here is I noticed that flavours of crisps and nothing to do with what they're supposed to be. So, for instance, like, bar- you know, barbecue pork or something. Barbecue pork? Or whatever, or, or yeah. barbecue 
whatever pulled, it is. Pulled pork. It's bound to be pulled pork flavoured crisps these days. Yeah, that, I don't know, whatever it is. Barbecued something. Um, it's nothing to do with... It's got nothing... It's neither got pork in it, nor has ever been barbecued. It's, it, it, it's probably celery or beetroot or something. And I was absolutely staggered to find how they made the flavours, how they created these flavours. It's nothing to do with what they kind of end up as being, you know, purported to be. Yeah. Um, and having said all that, where I'm kind of going with this is I've never really been a, a, a kind of big crisp fan. So crisps on sandwiches are okay. I can kind of see it. If I had to, I'd have to go with something that kind of, I don't know. I don't know. What would go with crisp? Cheese, a bit of cheese, a bit of rubbery edam, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, these tacky slices of, um, uh, you know, these kind of tacky slices of burger cheese that was never <laughs> ever cheese. Yeah, yeah they, don't can, they don't contain any cheese. No, don't contain yeah. any cheese. Kind of chemicals in a square, that yeah. kind of thing. They kind of deserve each other. Yeah. Maybe, what, maybe, maybe a bit of that. And something kind of sloppy to maybe a dollop of mayonnaise to kind of... Mayonnaise, that's the France bit coming out there, isn't it? Mayonnaise. You go salad oh, cream, wouldn't you? You go salad cream. Oh, God, no, no. Salad cream is, salad cream is just evil, no. No, they're changing it to sandwich cream rather than... Yeah, that. what's that all yeah. about? Hey. Uh, no, 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 no idea. A rose by any other name is still going to be abysmal. No. I'm not happy. Um, chewy sweet fan or chocolate? Out of those, um, chocolate, probably chocolate. Yeah, you know, I used to love Cadbury's Dairy Milk, Ooh. but I've kind of gone off it lately, and I can't eat much more than a couple of squares. Um, I'm I only can't... torturing myself here because I haven't had chocolate for eight. At night, here's, this is my nighttime treat. So if I don't have, like, I, I brew my own beer. So I've got 84 pints of beer sitting in the in the shed at the moment. Yeah, you've got how many? 84. <laughs> okay. Right, good. so yeah. um, we've got two two brews on the go, 42 each. So, okay. um, so we've got that sitting and I'm on a diet. So yeah. um I can see the dilemma there. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's a um yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. Um but um so if I don't if I don't have like a, just a half of, of homebrew, mm. I'll um I've started drinking coconut milk, which doesn't really taste a coconut. Mm. But out of all the for want of a better expression, all the nut milks, yeah, that one is the only one that I find palatable. All the others taste of milk and magnesia with the mint taken out. It's yeah. just foul stuff. It really is rank. So uh, I get a, a, a small glass of coconut milk and one half-coated digestive biscuit. Uh-huh. And that's my mega treat. Yeah. That... I've got to have something. I've got to have something to look forward to after, you know, kind of a day's kind of, you know, surviving modern life. Yeah. And it's just that bit of a treat. I went into a Greg's today for a coffee. And yeah. I thought, no, I'm going to have myself an egg custard. I am a sucker for an egg custard. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't got any egg custard. So I turned around and, and, I, and I walked out with my coffee. I got my coffee, but I didn't have anything else. So I've, I've gradually, just so that I don't become gargantuan um, yeah. in in size, I've, I've now trained myself to be able to walk out of a Greg's. 
It's for you, yeah. I mean, I'm a big. I mean, one of the things France did for me, which I think was really good, is I mean, a lot of French people don't exercise that much. You get a few joggers, as you do anywhere, but most French people take their car on every trip. Uh, you know, they don't walk up the stairs. They'll take the escalator. But one thing the French don't do is snack. And they, but they eat really well, and they don't eat that healthily. They they, they drink a lot of wine, but they drink it with meals. Um, they drink a lot. They eat a lot of fatty foods. But the the thing the French do is they only kind of eat at meal time, and 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 you can eat what you like when you have a meal, but in between, the rule is absolutely no snacking. Yeah, I think that's one thing I've kind of learned from the French that works for me, and. Um, have you eaten snails? No, uh, no. I'm, I'm is, is, is that like a bit of a tell it to, 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 to? You know what I mean? Stereotype. Yeah, I know. I mean, they do eat snails and they eat frogs' legs. Um, no. Yeah, they they do. Um, I've, I've I've never eaten any of that. You know, I don't. I don't even like um, seafood. Um, the the only seafood I'll eat is fish fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Best fish finger sandwich I ever had was in Birmingham. In Birmingham? In Birmingham, yeah. Yeah, that's about the only thing you can get in Birmingham. Yeah, but you'd think it'd be Whitby or somewhere, you know, some beautiful kind of fishing village somewhere in the on the south coast. Hey, but sure. no, was, where, where, where was that in Birmingham? Well, I, I can't remember the name of the road, but I went to see... Uh, can you remember Stephen Tintin Duffy? He yeah. can't call him Tintin anymore. It's just no, Stephen one of Duffy. The members of Duran Duran. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he had a film at a little 1930s cinema just off, off the kind of the main shopping road in 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 Birmingham. Street, yeah. Yeah, um, and I can't remember the name of the cinema, but it really was just a tiny, tiny little 1930s cinema, and it was okay. in a pub just round the corner from there. But it was, it was Boston, mate. It was lovely. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely fab. So. So we, we've known each other now for probably, hang on a minute, we're going quite a way back. We've probably known each other nearly no, 10 years. Right. 10 years? Maybe 10 years. I think, was it, was it, was it Nelsonica 2008? You contacted me afterwards. And yeah. you, I was a guy in the crowd, but I wasn't that guy. I'd taken photographs and you were in it. And I didn't know it was you. And then we met on the uh, on the Facebook on the, the Facebook the website. The Is that dreams. Right? Yeah, I, I think that. so. Yeah, I if remember I... you asking me if I was somebody, and I said no, I wasn't that person. Yeah, I thought you were the guy who did the um, the auction. Oh, him? Yeah, oh, Stuart Gray. No, yeah. I thought you were him. Oh, he's all right. He's, a, he's a, oh, that's okay. He's a bit cred actually, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I was disappointed when you weren't, John. Let's put it that way. But um, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but um, I suppose, yeah. yeah I was that the one where um, I think I first met Dave Sturt and Theo Travis? Didn't they play the Orchestra Futura? Yes, they, they did, and also, um, sadly, um, Ian Nelson had died that year. Yes. And Bill did a kind of tribute to him, and the um, 
Steve Wright, not the Radio 1 DJ, but the lead singer in Fiat Lux, got up and did a little bit of a tribute as yeah. well. But yeah. Just a tribute, not, not musical. Yeah, that was um, it, that was it, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that was, oh, 2007 even, maybe, 2007, 2008. I'm going to have to have a look. I was like this with Eric the other week, trying to remember when I'd been to a, a, a Formula One thing. Yeah, I heard that. I yeah. just, I, my memory, seriously, seriously, is 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 a mess. Oh, you you and me both. Yeah, it's an age thing, isn't it? I think, unfortunately, it is. Us being in our thirties, then yeah. it's you know it's it's a pretty tricky thing. But um, okay. and talking about. Um, uh, yep. Kind of making mistakes in in old age. You've had a bit of a situation recently. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, t t tell me about it. Um, yesterday morning. I mean, I have to claim, kind of, without sounding like I'm feeling too sorry for myself here, some kind of mitigating circumstances. I was really feeling quite stressed. We've got a lot of horrible stuff going on at the moment with. An enforced house move. We're not being kicked out because we've done anything naughty, but that our landlord has sold up, yeah. and we're having to to move from our our rented house, which is is causing all kinds of problems. And the car was in for a, a, an MOT, which was kind of stressing me out because I think what what was going to end up happening there. And as a way of kind of chilling out, first thing on a on a Monday morning, I, I know what I'll do. My recently acquired hard one copy of a Buckingham Knicks album that I'd been searching for, uh, for seemingly forever and had finally acquired just two days before on the Saturday, um, albeit with a slightly tatty sleeve, which meant I managed to, to get it at a, a good price and not the horrible collector's prices that it normally goes at. Yeah. I decided to do something with a sleeve and I decided there were parts of the sleeve that had been, that had kind of, it had some water damage and parts of the sleeve were stuck to the rotten parts of the sleeve. And I did some, basically I did some research on the internet of how to get these parts unstuck. And I thought I would do something, um, I, would, I would go about trying to make this beautiful thing an even more beautiful thing. And there's a... <laughs> Without sounding too pretentious, there's a, there's a Japanese philosophy called kintsugi, and it stands, it, which actually means the, um, uh, the, the the fine art of damaged things, or or, or, or the, the the artful repair of damaged things. Yeah. And it's about making something that's already damaged, it, it, turning something that's actually damaged into quite a beautiful thing. And I thought, I can do that with that sleeve. It's a mess. It's why I got the record fairly cheap instead of paying stupid prices. But I can actually make this sleeve quite beautiful again. You've, you've started to make this like Karate Kid 4 with your uh, Japanese <laughs> your <laughs> Japanese wipe on, wipe off for your uh, sticky pages. Out of, out of, out of this. Um, anyway, so I, I kind of... Read, I, I looked at a few you know, YouTube videos, read a few articles on the best way of doing this, and it came down to two techniques, two techniques, both which involved heat. One was iron, the other a hairdryer. I decided on a hairdryer. And I meticulously, yesterday morning, decided I'd take the hairdryer and apply very careful heat to this sleeve to very slowly separate the parts of the sleeve which had 
we've stepped to the wrong part of the sleeve. Yeah. Separate them and then with the right glue, stick them back in the right place and get something looking like the original sleeve again. Good idea. And I was really pleased with how this was going and I was, you know, applying the heat just gradually. And at one point I decided to stop and I thought, okay, it's getting quite hot now. I need to just check that the sleeve itself isn't getting, you know, damaged. I'm not warping the sleeve. Yeah. And I thought, hang on a minute, this is a bit stiffer than I thought. And then there's this, oh, God, moment where you realise you've left the vinyl. No. And so I took the vinyl out, and there's this round hairdryer mark, which has basically melted a five-centimetre circle of the grooves, rendering the thing completely unplayable. And if I had ever... Uh, a list of stupid things I've done in my life that I've absolutely berated myself for uh, for forever for doing. This went straight to number one. And, you know, Dave, even now, today, I'm still kicking myself for this. Um, I'm feeling your pain. Yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's a stupid record. and um, But it was a record that I was so happy to... Uh, finally, uh, you know, acquire and add to my collection. As I say, it was really hard one. Look, I tell you what, we've been getting really good response to the podcast. Uh-huh. We've had a lot of listeners. We always used to struggle for listeners trying yeah. to get people tuned into my av- below-average radio show. Um, <laughs> but the podcast seems to have taken... taken. Now, we're broadcasting to the world. I've got listeners in Germany. I've got listeners in the States, I've got listeners in Japan, I've got listeners in Australia. So it seems to be taking over the world. What's the album called? It was, the album is simply called Buckingham Nicks. It's two of the key figures in Fleetwood Mac. So Lindsay Buckingham, Stevie Nicks. Back in 1973, uh, before they actually joined Fleetwood Mac. Um, It's on Polydor Records. There is a kind of questionable uh, re-release that doesn't get much love and frankly I'm not particularly interested in but this was um, this was the original first year of its release um, American gatefold edition of the Buckingham Nicks album on Polydor um, So how much would you love somebody if they just happen to have in the back of their record collection a, a Buckingham Nicks Album I would, that I would they marry hated. them, and my wife would agree to it. <laughs> it better be a bloody good record after all of this. I sh- if if I could pay, I'm thinking of paying PRS just for this show, so I can play um, uh, Simon Bates's uh, music to. Um, <laughs> the, I can't even remember what it was called. I PRS to stop you doing that. <laughs> um, so, if anybody out there. Buckingham and Nicks. Just it's just Buckingham Nicks. Buckingham Nicks. Titled album, uh, but and and you know I'm, I'm not making this appeal. This isn't a kind of woe is me moment. This is a stupid. No, thing. I'm making the appeal on your behalf. 
I'm going to make this as... Uh, did somebody used to have a show, something about making dreams come true? I'm, I'm, I'm not prepared to take over that role, but this could, poss- <laughs> <laughs> this, this could possibly happen, right? Well, so... Well, I'm, black and Nicky Campbell rolled into one. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, let's, let's see what we can do. We've got a lot of people out there who collect vinyl. Somebody yeah, might do. just happen to have it. Let, let's fingers crossed. Let's fingers crossed. Anyway, we do brilliant. brilliant. I, I will replace it at some point, but um, you know, one of those, um, you know, um, yes, stupid is a stupid does, or whatever the saying goes. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I said, you know, lesson learned. Move on. See me. Well, I tell you what. My final question for you. Yeah. Magpie or Blue Peter? And this is, I suppose, for the for people who are listening abroad, mm. um, Magpie and Blue Peter were children's TV programmes that were on when we were probably at school, um, and they were they were like a um, a magazine programme for kids, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Man. So, um, which side of the street you on, Magpie or Blue Peter? Well, I I would watch both. Yeah. Uh, but I would have to say Blue Peter. Nice one. I, and you know, I, I and I'm kind of. With the original three of Valerie Singleton, John Noakes, Peter Purvis, yeah, uh, that generation, Blue Peter. Although, you know, I've got to confess, probably early teenage years had a had a thing for Janet Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure uh, Janet would be really pleased. On Blue Peter, and I, you know, any if anything kind of validates that, you know, I would. Um, I would find the Blue Peter annuals quite often, almost year for year in my, you know, Christmas stocking. Um, so, yeah, Blue Peter. How, yeah. About, how, how about you? Well, I, I'm Blue Peter, straight down the line. My English teacher was Simon Groom. Oh, OK. Pre, pre-Blue Peter. He left, yeah. he left the school and went to become a Blue Peter presenter. So he yeah. lives just down the road from me now. I've never seen yeah. him since, but he lives down the road from me now. But one quick story. Um, I uh, I left work to de- and I decided to travel. Yeah. And um, I wrote to Blue Peter to ask for a Blue Peter badge because I was prepared to do regular reports on my travels. Yeah. And I got a letter back from Biddy Baxter to say, um, we can't give you a Blue Peter badge because you've not appeared on the show, but here's one to sew onto your anorak. And I've got a sew-on patch Blue Peter badge from Biddy Baxter with a signed letter. That's something. Isn't it just? Yeah. I mean, that's a story. That's, yeah. And all those teachers who said it was a waste of space. It's a story. All those teachers, they were, didn't have any 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 idea that I'd go on to those dizzy heights. Brilliant. So, Brilliant. Do you remember Bleep and Booster? Bleep and Booster. That was, that was kind of sci-fi yeah. thing they would have on, I think, yeah. in the early days. Well, do you know what? I was thinking about um, uh, serials because I'd, I'd love to have done something, and I'm just no talent whatsoever in anything. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, can you remember Kenny Everett used to do Captain Kremen? Uh, literally, yeah. Yeah, you, oh, we, we we used to have Radio Trent with the great Dale Winton. He used to be a, a, a local DJ on Radio Trent. Yeah, yeah. 
and um, and on Radio Trent, it must have been a, a, a kind of thing that they um, put out to lots and lots of independent radio stations. But yeah, Captain Kremen used to come on with, with Kenny Everett, and it was it was going back to the old days, you know, when people used to listen round the radio and listen to a serial that used to come on, um, and it was just absolute. I was listening to it the other day, absolutely incredible stuff. The man was a genius. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, hey. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for sharing your story about uh, Buckingham Knicks. You're welcome. Um, I'm really, really, truly, truly upset for the Darwin you. Darwin Award for kind of people who do stupid things but don't actually die. I think I've got gold there. <laughs> um, thanks ever so much for joining us on the Casimir Engine Show podcast, John. Welcome.